Welcome to the Assembly of Silence Radio Hour. Greetings. Here we are, top of another episode. I'm pleased to welcome Judah back to the program today. I'm going to make it very brief here. Just want to encourage all of you listening to participate if you possibly can. If, uh, if you'd like to support the program, please go to patreon.com slash taijireality, T-A-I-J-I-R-E-A-L-I-T-Y. Taiji, of course, is the great distinction. Tai is great. G is a distinction or pole. So it refers to Taiji Tzu is the yin-yang symbol. Taiji reality. The conversations continue to develop. If you find them worthwhile and you don't want to support materially the operation here, we appreciate almost as much your spiritual support. Please be kind enough to give us a good review on iTunes and rate it so that others can also get the uh, enjoyment and enrichment that hopefully you are experiencing yourself. And without further ado, here we go. Another episode with Judah. And we're rolling. We're rolling. We're back. This is the the OG. The OG hey, configuration. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> this is where it all began. Yeah. Welcome back, Judah. It's mm. good to have you here. So nice to be back, Noah. So nice to be back. Of course, I ha- you know, you're actually not back. I actually had to come to you. You did. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's good to... Uh, oh, it's nice to have you back. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> it's good to be back. <laughs> so I think we had like a half a dozen topics already come up before we started rolling. It happens with I us. I don't know what they were. I can't remember a single one of them. I'm sure now. it's all in the same wheelhouse we usually... Uh, reside in <laughs> it's bound to come around at any point but right now my mind is completely blank mm. which is a good place to start i think so that's i, I think that's a, a really good creative uh, generative place right there okay so what comes up out of it all then mm. where do we go from here yeah. that's yeah. always the question right where do we go from here and yeah well, on the most you... basic level every single moment Mm. You know, I mean, mm. you may have an idea of where you're going, and there may be some plan, right? Right. But ultimately, where do we go from here? Is uh, you, you may think you know, right? But then conditions are changing, and we live in an increasingly quickly changing world, and so we're going to have interruptions more and more often on our idea of where it is that we're going. Isn't that the gift of trying to stay just in the present moment? Yeah, although it's hard to have a sense of where you're going if you're just in the present moment. Right. I mean, if, yeah. strictly speaking, if we're really talking about it residing within the present moment, then you have no idea where you are. Mm. Right. There's the temptation to be blown about by whatever comes, right? Right. And yet, that, and so there requires some sort of rudder and some sort of direction. Yeah, I remember uh, one of the guys who did the audio books for the Tao Te Ching. I can't remember his name. It may come up to me in a minute. Uh, he was talking about trying to understand the difference between following the Tao and going with the flow. Mm. That 
there's a kind of mistaken idea that just go with the flow is what's being talked about in Taoism, yes. and that's not really it. You can't just be blown around like an inanimate object. You're right. not just like a leaf in You're the wind. You're not a toy for the universe. Right. But on another level, we sort of are. You know, it's like, yeah, we are basically being tossed to and fro. We're like a boat on the ocean, mm-hmm. you know, and there's turbulence and we're just sort of trying to ride the waves Mm. so you're kind of going with it but at the same time you have a rudder and you're doing some steering and there's a little bit of force you got little like jets that you can kind of put a little bit of energy into to try and go a little bit this way or that way and it makes a huge difference you know those little adjustments are the the difference between uh, floating and drowning right basically I love to look at thinking as the rudder hmm Interesting, but now, okay, one of the things we were talking about before is how the mind is the enemy, Ooh, right? <laughs> you know, but, but you at had, the same time, you know, a friend, because yeah. we really couldn't do without it. What if it uh, was your heart mind, mm, right. if the heart mind was the rudder right. for your thinking, or, or, or the heart mind and that, that capacity of thinking right there, or that type of thinking from the heart mind was the rudder for you to navigate the emotional seas of life. I like that concept, and, but what it brings up for me is so many of the disciplines that we discuss are using the heart-mind to dissolve mental objects. Mm-hmm. So the intention and the formulation of ideas about where we're going is in some way the clutter that obscures the clarity of the mind so in in order to that's like how the mind becomes the enemy is when we uh, attach to formulations of our own design Mm. something along those lines Mm -hmm. and that the idea is to remain as open tabula rasa like the blank slate that can receive is the best place for the mind so uh, that makes it's a difficult juggling act because I'm not sure that if we fully practiced that that we could be functional you know if you really did completely reside in that realm of absolute receptivity mind is empty open to everything I mean hard to say maybe that would be the most functional place to be you know it certainly is a um, a refined state of being Mm. but could you survive i mean if survival is the goal right right right. you know and so change is happening all the time and we're making adjustments and doing all that because we want to continue to live in this manifest being so would that be a functional state of being if we were completely embodying the uh the practice of emptying the mind and maintaining an object-free uh mental space or would that be sort of like uh, sattva, the, the guna, the, the sort of Luciferian state where you <laughs> disappear from the material realm because you've wandered too far into the spirit and there's no way to integrate the two anymore? Right, right. So I'm tempted to think that that's more the case. You know, there's a number of things that have come up recently in meditations on this subject that that suggest that spiritual practice can become imbalanced when you don't reintegrate with the material and that that Rosicrucian Christic notion of the integration between spirit and material is really the sweet spot. That's really the middle path and that's the difficulty because spirit and material are 
in tension with each other, if not outright contradictory to each other. Right. So the ideal of this, you know, purity m- mind state as being the goal may be completely mis- uh, a misperception of things. Yeah, you can see a lot of delusion that comes with that, mm. right? And that's the, the, the insight of the sattva concept is that, you know, tamas rajas, right? So you have ignorance and desire are part of the material mode of nature, mm-hmm. right? But then the... When you feel that you've overcome overcome desire and ignorance and that you're now rejecting the material world as if it weren't worth something, you go running towards the spirit. That's also another aspect of material mode of nature because you're basically trying to reject material. So that would be sattva, another mm-hmm. form of delusion. <laughs> right, which the reality is is that it's an alchemical wedding of all three, right? They're all three intertwined with each other, or, or, mm. right? All the gunas, yeah. All the gunas are, are intertwined, and, and it's finding that balance or that harmony in them. Like you said, the, the Christic middle path is that sweet spot. It's that integration of spirit and matter, mm. and that's the sweet spot. And how do, how do we, whew, you know... Staying in the present moment as much as possible, being uh, uh, um, available to what is, yet at the same time, being able to check, is this in my best interest right now? Well, that's why I love the Taoist alchemy of the trigrams, because... You know, the, the idea is that the ordinary state of being is that fire is over water, which right. means that the clinging part of the mind is... Uh, taking dominance over the sense part of the mind. Mm-hmm. And the Taoist alchemy is to reverse those two. Right. So you Get take fire underwater. Put the fire under the water. Mm-hmm. And so the water is the direct connection. It's yin yang yin. So yang is in the middle line, meaning that that's where the present moment is. The present is between the past and the future. Right. So the focus of attention is on the present sensation, what is occurring, right? Mm -hmm. Actual being with no past or future consideration. So that is staying in the present moment. Underneath that, the thing that is basically like uh, undergirding it, it's the foundation is the fire. The fire is uh, the past and the future being held in consideration, right, which gives you a sense of continuity. It gives you a sense of context, and it maintains your practice of, of maintaining the, the connection to the present. So if the fire is correctly aligned, in other words, if the intention of the lesson that you have from the past, which is the consideration of all the various things that you've learned, leads you to the understanding that the present moment is a necessary component to maintain at the front, right? And then you can continue that into the future, right? Then you have the seed, the basic engine, which is the fire in the hearth, right? That basically uh, allows for the maintenance of the vibrant living water, the living water that's enlivened by the fire. Because without the fire under the water, the water tends to descend, it gets cold, it gets dense, it becomes ice, frozen, right? And when the fire is left to its own devices, it rises up above, doesn't, doesn't do the job anymore, right? So, <laughs> so <laughs> see, see that look in your face? <laughs> 
so as you're saying this, what just the image I keep getting is volcanic activity. Mm. Volcan- volcanic activity underwater creates land. Oh, interesting. Right? Substance. Fire underwater. Mm. Volcanic activity underwater creates land, which in future creates life, right? You have uh, soil eventually will come, plants will eventually come, life eventually comes on the land, mm. right? Volcanic but also act- under the water as well. Yeah. 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 But volcanic activity on top of land, like that fire just blasts off into the uh, atmosphere, interesting. right? You know? Uh, huh. And can be destructive. Interesting. Right? You know, it's, I don't know what the connection is here, but I think that the the only place in the world where the uh, the ancient archaic bacteria still live are in the volcanic vents underneath the ocean. Oh, fascinating! Fascinating. Isn't that bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, life is always. I mean, this is the thing. Life is giving us the imagery we need. It's it's always showing us. Uh, Right, so that's another theme that we brought up before, that the patterning in life, the, the rhythm, you said uh, the quote from Steiner about uh, the, the... Comprehension na- of nature's rhythms will become the true natural science. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. So rhythm, cyclical interaction, periodic movements. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, evolutionary repetition, so it's not yes. absolute repetition. It's not like just going around and around. Right. It's a it's spiral. It's like a spiral, yeah. right, where it's, it's going up, mm-hmm. and you're revisiting... The same place, or, or down, but, or down, or yeah, in or out, it, it, maybe more. <laughs> maybe in the case of humanity, down <laughs> for the time being. <laughs> seems to be. Everybody, you know, it's kind of like one of those optical illusions when you see the those spirals, like kind of like uh, the things that you would like hang out front of your house, and it, oh yeah, the wind spins it right, and it looks right. like it's going down, and then sometimes it looks like it's going up, right? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that's really what what we, life is for humanity. It's like we're in the downward spiral and at some point we'll hit as far down as we can go and then it'll come an upward spiral. Well, that's interesting because you know? that, that's an interesting metaphor because it means that the both are inherent in the same thing at the same time. Exactly. Which is what happens with um, in electromagnetic interactions too. Yeah. Uh, the magnetic field that's generated is something which extends outward and comes back inward at the same time. It's right. a fundamental aspect of the polarity. Yes. Yeah, so, we see that with the uh, tourist fields, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about the yugas in the past on this show, and the the yugas go, you know, they go uh, uh, from you know the sat yuga or that that yuga of truth, and it devolves all the way down to the kali yuga where we are. But then it goes back up, but it repeats. Kali yuga repeats itself, so you get two cycles of the kali yuga. Then it goes back up. Well, see, this is interesting. Rest. So, is it possible that? When you're talking about the yuga cycles, that underlying all of that, there is a simultaneity of all of them. You know what I mean? Like that it's not necessarily the. I mean, on some level, you could say that what we see happening is that when um, when materialism rises, spirit descends, right? And when material starts to crumble, then spirit rises, right? right? So this kind of back and forth type of thing and and so there, there there's a balancing out that seems to be happening at all times on 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 some basic level like the most elemental it feels like imbalance it feels like things are falling apart right right but on a right. on another level because every thing that exists has a lifespan 
there's going to be a falling apart period for every entity. And as that entity is falling apart, it's making way for something new to come in. So it's just like a garden, you know, like the garden, it's got its cycles. And so as the plant reaches maturity, it gets kind of crispy and starts to fall apart. And then you get, you know, the new buds coming up afterwards. You know, always in simultaneity, we see growth and flourishing and death and decay. Yeah. Right? And a good friend of mine once said to me, he says, uh, my friend Jeff Barney, he's an anthroposophist, and uh, we had had a bit of a a falling out at one time and then a coming back together. And he said, you know, Mm. sometimes when things are falling apart, they're actually falling together. That's a binary star relationship. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the most common, apparently, they say. I haven't... uh, verify this myself but apparently most stars are in relationship with another star yeah so most of them are orbiting each other which means that sometimes they're coming together sometimes they're going apart right Mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah but i I really believe that the more and more i observe my life the times where it looked like it was falling apart i mean yes there were aspects that were falling apart but that was so that it could fall together in a better way Yep, so that's an interesting part of a practice. You could think of that's a little piece of something you could put in the fire. Mm-hmm. So like the memory of last time things fell apart, it turned out that it actually worked out well, that there was more space for something new to come in. And so remembering that into the future, right, is a kernel that you keep in the fire so that the next time you're in that phase where things are falling apart, you go, okay, I've been here before. And it ain't necessarily as bad as it feels or seems right now. Right. And so. this is where, where uh, um, learning to train the mind comes in handy. Yeah, exactly. That's right? what we're talking about. Training That's the mind. That's what we're talking about here, folks. Yes. <laughs> Training the mind. Reining in that troop of monkeys. <laughs> right. Herd of cats. <laughs> yeah. That are going, you know, those thoughts that are going all over the place and creating fantastical thinking not rooted in any reality of what is at any moment. Is it your Mercury in Aries, too? <laughs> <laughs> no, mine's actually in Leo. Oh. Which is, you know, it's really cool. So is my partners. Our, our, our Mercury's are three degrees So your minds are together. Super together. We've like practically read each other's You got one mind. mind. No wonder you're working on something together. Right? That's brilliant. I know. Boy, that must be nice. (laughs) Big relief. (laughs) Big relief. That's all I have to say. Uh, Game changer. Uh One word with a hyphen in between. Two words with a hyphen in between. Either way, apparently. (laughs) It works just fine. Game changer. Doesn't matter how it's spelled. So what's the game? Keeps changing. Life. <laughs> keeps changing. It keeps changing. The game keeps changing. I'm just trying to keep up with the game. Someone was telling me uh, that he, he's a guy who's lived in New York City his whole life. Mm-hmm. And he travels for work. He says that now the, the change is so rapid that he goes away for a few months, he comes back, and it's like a whole different story. Like the, the game has changed. The way people are thinking is mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. just over the course of a few months. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, that's, that's the evolution of consciousness uh, is, is speeding up and speeding up. And or is it the de-evolution of consciousness? You know, I don't know. There is this guy, uh, he's passed on now. His name was Ian Lungold, and he was a... Um, uh, a Mayan calendar researcher, and I, I don't know a tremendous amount about the Mayan calendar, but he was, I saw him give a really good talk. You can probably find it on YouTube. 
um, Ian Lungold and Mayan calendar or something. And, and he talks about um, how when you look at like the Mayan pyramids, there's always like 13 levels to them and they go from wider to narrowest, right? Just like any pyramid does, right? And he was discussing how, how each, um, pyramid, each level was an indication of a certain amount of time that it took consciousness to evolve to a certain point, mm. right? And mm-hmm. that with each level up, it got that the same amount of consciousness evolved, but in a shorter amount of time, and a shorter amount of time, and in a shorter amount of time, right? So, right. So that as you're getting to the top of the pyramid, which is where we're getting pretty close right now, you know, this was all building up to like, you know, 2012, right? The solstice of 2012, that whole phenomenon. Didn't happen. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but one of the things he said that was quite brilliant, you know, that I, I look at is he said, look, consciousness is like, what's happening, the, the amount of, conscious evolution that takes place in say um, 19 days used to take 20 years um, right and now like what's going to happen what takes 19 days it'll be one day and you know 20 years say was like 400 years 400 years so that's one one way of looking at you know another perspective on time moving more quickly is what people are always talking about. Right. So like if you look at the amount of information that's released in a single day now. Right. If you look at the amount of change that takes place technologically in a single day Yeah, but it's not clear whether or not that's actually a development of consciousness or a disintegration of consciousness. It's probably both. Yeah, it's probably both. It's probably both, right? Yeah. But the thing is, is that we are, you know, one of the cool things that he said in this talk, I remember say, him saying this is, hey, we're right on, we're right on time. Right. Well, we're right on time, which how can you deny that? Right. We are where we're at and that's where we're supposed to be. Yeah, right. And yeah. so we're, we're, everything is right on time. Everything yep. is right on schedule. <laughs> if, 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 if it was supposed to be any different than it is, it would be. That's right. Right. Yep. So we it have to, we have to be able to look at what is yeah. and see like okay this is all the mind and we've talked about this in the past this is all the mind of God unfolding in perfect time I can't make rhyme or reason of it but all I know is that it is what it is at this moment in time and um, and how can I um, maintain my presence my state of presence to what is how can I use my heart mind as a rudder to navigate mm-hmm. you know and and basically just uh, show up show up and do the best that I possibly can in my life mm-hmm. I mean the thing I would add to that is how can I construct a narrative that makes sense given everything I know right you know yes. what what's the yes. story what's the underlying story that I can uh, fit all of this into in a way where there's agreement. Like it all makes sense. It doesn't mean that they have to not be contradictory because contradiction is part of the story. But within the basic archetypes of what we see happening, how do we create a story that continues right. to make sense no matter what gets thrown in the basket? Exactly. And that's a really good point there, Noah, is that, I mean, we are the authors of our life. Yeah. 
right? That's authority. We're, we're, create, we're writing our story, and yeah. we can write a new story at any th- moment in time. Right. We but, can write a new but, story. And, and you know, the, the difference between the disintegration and the integration is whether or not the story is as, clo- as close to reality as possible. You know, the, the, people will make up stories, and there can be a lot of force behind them, but if they're not real, right. then you're just blowing a bubble. You're you creating, you're creating um, uh, a ship with a lot of holes in it. Yeah, and, and, and you're creating a wobble in the uh, fabric of, of the exi- species. Uh, of the species. And the, and the planet. And the cosmos. Yeah. The cosmos in general. I mean, you know, like when there's lies being put out there, that's going to create ripples in in the cosmos, yep. right? I mean, because it's not just limited to this physical reality that we're experiencing. So that's, that's departing from yeah. the way. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. That, 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 so it seems to me like the most essential element of any story narrative is humility. Because mm. without the knowledge that we don't know being the thing at the very forefront, then it, it, it just can't help but tip into hubris and then you're gone. You know, so all the positive thinking in the world is not going to create a robust vehicle to to uh, navigate the difficulties that arise. Right, right. And this is, I think, where it becomes really important to um, be able to stand firm in truth and transparency and honesty humility and to be able to come up against uh things that you you know are deliberate assaults on the integrity of the fabric of life right where you're like that's actually a lie that actually no that's you know to be able to like call spade a spade in a in a emotionally sensitive way but Right, you know, but really to stand firm, to try and hold that integrity of of this cosmic fabric, here. <laughs> you know, it's a slippery slope though, because it's you know I've been having some experiences recently where I'm trying to point out to some people who still take their information from the mainstream media that they're getting it from uh, uh, unreliable sources, that they're they're basically being lied to, mm-hmm. and it's almost impossible. Wait, are you saying? <laughs> Are you are you saying that that's fa- that there's fake news out there? <laughs> I mean, uh, th- th- this is the kind of subject that that threatens to un- undermine the entire podcast. We were doing really well up until this point, but now I feel like it <laughs> you, could you just degenerate you into. <laughs> but it's true, you know. Uh, so I much did. of the information yeah. that that is disseminated broadly is freaking bullshit or like there's a little bit of truth there and it's surrounded by a bunch of bullshit it's like the old Lenny Bruce routine about like whether or not it's something art if it has a little shit in it right right? it's like well uh, how much shit can you have around something and it still be art it's like the thing we were just uh, uh, checking out about Easy Rider right right Right. it's like a, a vehicle for degeneracy is there some art in it is there something of value in that thing or is it just a piece of shit or do we as a collective stand up to the piece of shit and say actually that's not art I mean I know you want to call it art and it's your expression 
but it's contributing to the degeneracy of the species. So it's the same so thing. So we have to actually call that out. So it's the same thing with these media outlets that are pushing yeah. false narratives, yeah. right? And the, it's the major ones now. It's really like, it doesn't matter whether it's Fox News or CNN or the New York Times or Washington Post or whatever. It's like they are all obviously, absolutely, like if you just look at the information, they even print their own retractions. You know, where, where they're so sloppy that, that so many of the narratives that they've been pushing have been proven to be false. So they, they go, oh, well, you know, yeah, we blew it. But they, no one, they don't push that. You know, they won't push the fact that the story that they were pushing for the whole freaking year turned out to be bullshit. They're just like, oh, on to the next bullshit story. Well, that's the thing is that we've, we've talked about this, uh, that we live in a time where the truth has become a lie and lies have become the truth, right? Mm-hmm. And that you really, we really don't know what is real or true anymore. I mean, right. especially with computer graphics and Photoshopping. And I mean, you just, you don't know if what you're watching is real is something real or not I mean it's just we are living in a time that requires an incredibly high degree of discernment and that's why I believe it's so critical to develop the capacity of the heart mind because mm-hmm. when you have a strong functioning heart mind it is what will allow you to identify um, falsities and you'll feel it You'll see it, and you'll feel it for what it is. And then the, the, the other element I would emphasize there, of course, is the humility and understanding that we don't know. Right. Because there's a tendency when you see so much falsehood to want to like, push back with some other narrative that you consider to be true, it, which is a real slippery slope and more often than not ends in disaster. Because we really don't know on many of the things, you know, like because something gets presented in the media as being an important issue – Right when you realize that the narrative about it, it like take nine eleven for instance, you know, it's pretty obvious that the mainstream narrative on that has more holes than Swiss cheese. But you know, the people who have come up with the alternative narratives, like ninety percent of the time, it, they just sound insane because even if it were true, you can't substantiate it. Well, so why bother with the other with the narrative to try to counteract it? Isn't it enough to just say, well, obviously that's not true, and I have no idea what is. Right. That seems to be the most honest position to take when it comes to all this crap. Right, right. You know, uh, and I, I think there's a, a thing that's happening, and I think it's always happened for the most part, when there's the, the desire to deceive people, and that is to hide the truth in plain sight. Mm-hmm. And so this comes back to kind of the beginning of what we're talking about. Where do we go from here? Because one of the things that we're all saturated now is information. And a lot of the narratives that are going around are toxic and and misleading and uh, just, yeah, outright lies, largely, I think, designed to turn people against each other. And so where do we go from here? Well, it seems like you can't counteract it with another narrative. The only thing you can do is to recognize with the heart mind that this is bullshit and that I don't need to come up with a counter narrative. I just need to acknowledge it as bullshit, speak that truth and say I don't know because that's the truth too, you know? Bingo. I I'd so right on. What else can yes. we do? I know that it's bullshit, but I don't know you know, I don't. I don't, I don't know, know what happened in nine eleven. I have no freaking clue. I have no idea. I've looked at a bunch of information. I still don't know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, but 
all I know is that for me right now, <laughs> the only path is just to show up from my heart mind with the interactions that I have in life whether it be at the grocery store checkout line mm-hmm. with the person in front of me or when I make eye contact with somebody and say hello or wh- whatever, just do my best to be like a, an integral human being operating from my heart with a clear mind and create as little ripples of, of chaotic energy, chaotic thinking, chaotic feelings, highs and lows as possible. Well, unfortunately, that makes me think of something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it does. (laughs) It seems to me like you do get to a point where the fragility of the social fabric is such that if you do maintain heart integrity, let's say, let's just call it that for Mm -hmm. heart-mind integrity, Mm -hmm. right? That that creates ripples because it's like, who the fuck are you to have your heart-mind integrated? Like, why would you actually be able to sit in a place of peace and understanding when, you know, this is a world of, of hatred and, mm-hmm. and of antagonism and of struggle and pain, yeah. you know? So just by showing up and being like, hey, how you doing? You know, like, we're here doing this together, right? Mm-hmm. Let's make the best of it. That might be enough to set people into a rage, Yes, I have a friend. I have a friend who sits in in, in a group, and um, they have topics every month. And one of the topics was um, climate collapse. And mm. uh, this friend of mine has done a lot of research on that, and and he's a heart math practitioner mm. also, so he's really down with the heart mind concept. And um, and he said, you know, I'm actually really. He sent an email to to this group, and uh, he said, you know, I'm actually this topic. I'm really full with right now, and um, I'm not going to be attending. Um, uh, and if anybody has any questions, why? Just let me know. You know. But mm-hmm. he got so attacked by this group. Like mm-hmm. this is so important, you can't miss this. And how you know? Do you you don't care about the environment? You know, like all these projections, right? And this guy was just you know, um, it's funny when you just stand in your truth. How triggering that can be for people. I, pl- and, climate change is another. It's a perfect example. Yeah, it's like I don't know what's going on out there waiting for you. Oh yeah, you know, and they've already a, decided. Yeah. You know, they, they completely, and that's one of the, the, one of the most interesting critiques of climate science. I'm using the, the uh, air quotes here because they've already decided that they know. If you're scientifically objective, then you can't say that you know exactly what's going to happen, particularly with one of the most complex systems we've ever studied. Right. right? So the idea that we know how this is going to play out <laughs> is anti science. And, and this whole, the whole point of the argument is that this is based on science. So that's a fundamental problem with that position. And it's one of the reasons why they get a, a fair amount of pushback nowadays is because they're acting hubristically. They're a- acting anti-scientifically. It's become a political movement. And, the, you know, that ain't science. <laughs> right. And yet, here's a few things. I mean, a few things we do know is that there's been close to 
80,000 new synthetic chemicals released into the environment since World War II. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of them being endocrine disruptors mm. and things called obesogens or xenoestrogens. And obesogens are chemicals that disrupt your endocrine system that lead us towards obesity. Huh. Uh, xenoestrogens are estrogenic compounds that are synthetic that bind to estrogen receptor sites in your cells and increase estrogen levels blocking nor- blocking natural estrogens from doing their job uh-huh. okay which create and en- which creates endocrine disruption and when you create endocrine disruption you start looking at things like insulin resistance and um, you know uh, once you begin to disrupt your endocrine system now you're looking at your entire hormonal chain starts to fail and these are your sex hormones testosterone estrogen progesterone DHEA should I keep going it's insulin, like a monkey wrench right. going into your body right so 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 what we know is that the toxicity of the world right now is creating conditions uh, unlike we've ever seen before, like autoimmunity on the rise due to environmental toxicity. Right. There's well over 6,000 scientific studies right now that show the impact of endocrine disruption on wildlife. Not, we haven't even gotten even, we haven't even touched humanity yet. We know that PCBs, uh, you know, that are banned are, are being found in polar bears, right? In, in the Arctic. Um, how the hell did, did PCBs, which was a pesticide, get into the Arctic, right? So we know that we are contaminating this world to a degree unlike it has ever been seen before. Okay. So wouldn't it be convenient <laughs> if you were able to take the environmental movement and convert it to a concern with overall pollution, to a concern with pollution from carbon dioxide, which is one of the few gases, few uh Byproducts of human activity that the Earth has a natural mechanism to deal with. Right, right. So that just seems a bit convenient. When your sole focus, which it seems like the sole focus is CO2, which I mean CO2 does lead to the acidity of the oceans and so on and so forth, but... In we, excess. Right, but we have got a toxicity issue here. We have, right. a, we have a chemical... We are swimming in a chemical soup Thousands right of them. Tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. Tens of, of thousands of synthetic chemicals that disrupt your endocrine system. And how many of those get mentioned now in environmental articles? And if you're in the mainstream media, so t- talking again about the purveyors of information to the mainstream, how often are they going to be talking about this toxic soup that's being continually pumped into our environment and which has now basically permeated our own living space? Mm-hmm. On a regular basis, we're all being exposed to this shit. Right. Yeah, there's there's something like 8 billion pounds of pesticides used on U.S. crops alone. That's like, or is it 4 billion? It's something like that. But it's enough, I mean, that's like pounds of pesticides per man, woman, and child. So in think this about the liability. In, in turn, uh, uh, you know, for the corporations that have produced these things, if the, if the legal system had any real standing here, right. uh, what they would actually be liable for if people woke up to this. So, would there be a reason why there would be powerful interest in wanting to convert the environmental movement to something that's just freaking out about carbon dioxide? Hmm, seems yeah. like maybe. <laughs> yeah. Who's the real environmental terrorist? <laughs> Who's the real eco-terrorist? Right. Yeah. Who's the real eco-terrorist? Dude, it's the Earth Firsters who like hang out in like shacks and blow up uh, ranger stations and like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's logging equipment, right? And logging like equipment right. and put tree spikes in and shit, right? Yeah. Uh, but the reality is, is it's the it's the the Monsantos and the Bayers and the Duponts and the 
all the chemical companies that are out there. And you now, know, I think that and, why, and why is it that that the world's leading chemical company is also the world's leading seed company? <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, let, let's start putting some, some things together here, right? So as a functional nutritionist and educator in that realm, you know, I'm, co- I'm constantly seeing, uh, you know, the, the conditions that the people are dealing with today, like weight gain, you know, obesity, the epidemic of obesity, mm-hmm. which used to be calories in, calories out equals healthy weight. Not mm. anymore because huh. there's so many endocrine disruptors huh. being pumped into their system if they're using plastics, if they're using pesticides, if they're using Roundup, right. if they're, you know, um, uh, uh, exposing themselves to various environmental chemicals either at work or home. So how do you start to deal with that? Whew. That I mean, that's just that, that. It's like that is the toughest one. So it's sort of like you have to take people out of the environment that they're living in. Stop using your st- stop using your 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 conventional skincare products, hair care products, deodorants, antiperspirants. Stop eating pesticide laden food. I mean, it's just like it's like a complete lifestyle overhaul, right? right? Minimize your exposure to chemicals as much as you possibly can. Right. Upregulate all your detoxification capacity as best as you possibly can. And it's, I mean, even then, you know, but a lot of times when I just focus on that, I see weight loss. Hmm. But we're swimming in a chemical soup that is dramatically affecting us. So climate change, yeah, and so environmental we're at the, toxicity. We're at the point now where the, anarcha- uh, the archaic bacteria were you know, really threatened by their effluence, by their oxygen, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, the, the byproduct of their metabolism was to produce this toxic oxygen, which is now the stuff that we breathe, right? And so our metabolic process as a civilization has been to produce these toxic byproducts that we're now swimming in, right? And it's going to force us to be a completely different type of creature, probably. We can't really continue as the species that we've been. That seems, in some ways, that explains an awful lot of what we're up against right now. We're basically at a, a pivot point in evolutionary history. We'll be a lot better off when we exterminate ourselves. <laughs> well, we won't have as much to worry about. <laughs> won't have anything to worry about. But it's well, we're here, and so it's always a question of you know where do we go from here while we're here? Right. Right. Exactly. So. Where do we go from here? <laughs> the next one. <laughs> <laughs> that was wonderful. That was a real pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We look forward to serving you again soon. In the meantime, remember. Turn that thing over a few times before you pick it up and take it home. <laughs>